Congressman Eric Sorensen is a Democratic congressman from Illinois in Northwest Illinois. I was looking at your district this morning and it it's like a C the way it wraps around. It's it's a little odd, but that's how we draw congressional districts in this great country. He won his first term just this past November, so he is a freshman. Been there for about three months. So because you're a freshman congressman and welcome to Too Close to Call, I will start out with a few icebreaker questions. Okay. Because we don't know each other. If you could pick anyone who would be your ideal dinner guest. Well, first of all, David, it's uh, it's great to be with you. Um this year, there's no way in a million years you're going to know um, the answer that I'm going to give you. Um, but the answer is Dolly Parton. Um, Dolly Parton has withstood um, the test of time. Um, she has persevered uh, when people have said that she was a fad or that she couldn't um, do what she needed to do. Um, she has given so much of her, her life to service. Um, and, um, there's very few people that ever get the opportunity to sit down with Dolly Parton and, uh, someday I want to be one of them. I like that answer. That's unique. I didn't expect that coming. What would you constitute as a perfect day for you? And you can't say, uh, being a congressman because that, <laughs> that would be, that would be too much pandering going to Are hearings. You- I'm sure it's going to hearings and getting briefed and meeting with staff. Right, right. Uh, it's it's you know it's not that next uh, house resolution that is uh, sitting on my desk yeah. uh, in Longworth. Um, you know, my perfect day um, is um, I, I would I, as the meteorologist, I would probably say it's it's seeing a, a, a tornado up close that didn't hit anyone's house, but um, <laughs> um, but um, you know maybe it's knowing that I I did a good job. My perfect day was was meeting um, Coach Carl in Peoria, Illinois, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, we were, my office was able to get him some grant funding for his after-school program. And um, when we sat down for lunch and, and told him, Here's, here are the grants that we want you to apply for, um, Coach Carl, he said, why are you doing this for me? Um, and I said, Coach, you're a good person, and, and we need more people like you in Peoria. Um, and then Coach Carl said, um, what's in it for you? And and I looked at him and I said, nothing. I said, Coach, I work for you. You're my boss. And um, for a guy that I had only known for an hour to get up from his chair, uh, to come around the table in the middle of this busy restaurant at lunch hour and to give me a big bear hug, um, that's the perfect day. What's the favorite thing? that you've listened to in your earbuds recently? It's it's always Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. Now I'm getting the Dolly Parton thing coming together here. Country, country fan. Yeah. Country I mean, fan from Illinois. You know, here's, here's the thing, and it doesn't even matter what the genre is. It's just kind of what I listened to as a kid. What was comforting to me growing up, um, what got me through the tough days, um, you know, one of my favorite songs is Forever Young by Rod Stewart, um, you know, because he sings, be courageous and be brave. In my heart, you'll always stay forever young. Um, you know, it's like these these are these are words that 
help me. So if, if I need that help, all I got to do is put those earbuds in and listen. I'm a big music fan myself. Very different music, but I appreciate people who <laughs> connect. I'm an old soul, man. Sure. Here's something I think we can connect on. You are a TV or you were a longtime TV meteorologist before running for Congress. I was a local TV reporter. No way. And I had to cover weather all the time and it drove me nuts. I was in Missouri and North Dakota and I worked for NBC affiliates. I tried to do politics because that's what I always wanted to do. But you know local news, weather dominates no matter what. I lived in Missouri, so all I did was cover tornadoes and ice storms and floods. And man, it it wore me out having to yeah. go and talk to victims of things. It wore me yeah. out. So I think we can commiserate a little bit on our experience. I mean, you were back in the studio probably warning people of the bad weather. They right. sent me out then to go chase the tornado, get yeah. video of it. And you were you were here in the Midwest where, you know, yes. like everybody knows the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, on the news. Yes. Right. Well, people don't realize that here in the center part of the country, uh, we have a saying, if it spins, it wins. Because like oh. if there's a tornado warning, we're on. We're first on, last off. And so but here is the thing, David, not every meteorologist um, got their butt out of the studio to go and walk the neighborhoods that were affected afterwards. No, they stay in the climate controlled right. studio. Right. It's and I did that. Like, you know, I, I, I remember there <laughs> last year I was in Rockford, 2014 ish. I remember big weather events. Uh, we had a downburst that took a roof off of a house and I was like, God, that cell didn't look that big on on radar. And I was like, it's only about 10 miles away. And so I drove there and they were like, Eric, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so then I got to know the people that were affected, how they, how they got the alert and then how they reacted to it. And then, you know, was able to talk them through, walk them through the debris to say, this was a downburst and not a tornado. And then they were able to learn something and appreciate that I was there. I didn't and just come blazing with the camera. And that makes sense as the perfect pathway to becoming a politician because you get to know people on the ground. I mean, I know I was in Southwest Missouri, our sports anchor, our meteorologist, our TV anchors, all long time. They were revered. They were held with much esteem in the community. So I get the local news, the power yeah. of local news and how that still does matter, even in our... Right media environment now of YouTube and Twitter and social media, the local news anchors still really matter. Yeah. And it's, and I think what we did here, um, you know, in this congressional district, I mean, this is different. You know, I think a lot about, um, you know, and, and people have tried to compare me to like Carrie Lake, for instance. Right. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, well. no, this is, this is different. Right. <laughs> really? Completely different because Carrie Lake was someone that, that um, she was a trusted news anchor, okay, in Phoenix, mm -hmm. big market, yes, great news anchor, um, and and then she left to to become this politician and ran, okay, and that was different for me because I was the meteorologist. I didn't run for anything before I ran for Congress because I, you know, and I had to, to decide whether or not I was going to run for, you know, city council. I thought about running for mayor, um, you know, but then I was like, no, if I, if I really want to make change 
you know, we need a meteorologist in Congress, right? It needs to come right from the end of my career as a meteorologist to the beginning of Congress. So and you went big. Yes. Yeah, well, and also it was because um, that way, that way I didn't have the background in, in dirty politics. I had the background in, I was talking with farmers about climate change. Right. Because, you know, they, they were the ones, you know, that they're conservative by nature. But, you know, you know, we can't trust anybody for this. A lot of this is BS. But you know what? That Eric Sorensen on TV, he tells us the truth. And so they could believe me. We had this connection. I went and gave a climate talk in a dairy barn in Stevenson County, Illinois. Once. Um, they, it, I wasn't you know, it wasn't difficult talking to conservatives about climate. It was difficult to get my voice to go over the mooing of the cows. Yeah. What's your been been your biggest surprise in your first three months as a congressman? Um, my first, I, I think one of the biggest surprises, and and that you don't know until you get there, um, was, um, how how am I going to learn all of these things that I need to know? Um, yeah. Quickly, quickly enough so that I can meet the the needs of the people that elected me, right? Because it's like all of a sudden, boom! I'm elected the next week. I'm in orientation in the Capitol, right? So it's like, how am I going to learn this? But and this I, week, you got to know about financial regulations, and next week it's climate change. And yeah. The week after that, it's the debt ceiling, or maybe it's Ukraine. Yeah. You got to be a generalist real quick. Yeah. So. Um, you know, but then I realized that the freshman members of Congress are are such a diverse group. You know, we we've got we've got teachers, we've got lawmakers, we've got doctors, and pediatrician. My my good friend Yadira from uh, from Colorado. Um, you know, we at Washington State we've got a um, uh, an auto mechanic, um, uh, Marie Glusenkamp Perez. She and her husband own an they were repairing cars and now she's in Congress. So it's people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, um, all different ages. And now we're here at the same time. And that's the beauty of the House of Representatives, that, that it's not just the politicians that are going there. It's the real people in these districts that are going there to be the representative of the other real people. I want to congratulate you because I've already read that you are one of the top 37 Republican targets for, 20, for 2024. I need a sash. Yeah. Because, you know, we need to start an election already. I saw your name on that list. Because you're a, a novice at, at politics, how does that make you feel that you get a target on your back immediately? Yeah. And and as a House member, because you got to run every two years, you're already running for re-election. How does that make you feel? Um, you know, look, I, I think about it because when we ran this race, we ran against a Republican that ran here two years earlier against the incumbent, um, against Congresswoman Sherry Bustos, who's very, very popular and well revered. Um, and so we had to do everything that we could to win. Um, this was a, a red to blue race. This this was, you know, um, a race that uh, Kevin McCarthy thought he had in the bag. And he didn't. Um, because I'll tell you, um, he he didn't understand um, what what it meant for me to work in this community, uh, what it meant that I served my community by telling the 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 folks here the truth over the years. Because guess what? Their attack ads, they never landed. 
Um, because, you know, if I told you today, David, that Al Roker's a terrible, terrible person, <laughs> you, you yeah. wouldn't believe me, right? Because you're so. like, Eric, that, that's got to be BS because Al Roker's a nice guy. Well, you know what? He is a nice guy. I don't think there's anybody that could run an attack ad against Al Roker <laughs> and actually be effective, right? Well, the, the same thing happened here, right? But what I've got to be able to do today it's to be able to make the case. I don't want to just win the 52% of the people that voted for me. I want to win 58% or 60%. How am I going to do that? I have to be effective. You know, I have to make sure that we're fighting for what the people here want. You know, and that's the frustrating thing. I mean, let the Republicans go as extreme as they want because they're not talking to the people here in middle America. Um, the people here that, that, you know, want safe neighborhoods and they, they want good jobs and, you know, they, they want sustainability. You know, we've got to support our family farmers. Um, I'm the one talking to them. You know, as soon, every time an extreme Republican throws out a wedge issue, guess what? It's not solving a problem. They're just creating a made up problem. But being effective as a member of Congress, as a freshman in the minority, Seems like a gargantuan task. I just from a political observer's view, it doesn't feel like Congress is doing much right now. It doesn't feel like Congress will be able to do much. It feels like we're already peering around the corner to the next election. Given that, given our system, that we've got a divided Congress, which means not much of substance looks like it's going to get through. Am I wrong? I, I, I think here we, we pay too much attention to this, the screaming toddlers in the corner, you know, the members of Congress that that just say outrageous things to get on the front page of the news or to get us to talk about. Right. Uh, but what people don't know is, all right, I, I, I'm a member of the House of Representatives in the minority, and there's a lot that we're already doing. Uh, behind the scenes to to create jobs and grow the economy. You know, I'm already working on bills that are bipartisan. Um, you don't hear that. Why don't you hear that? Because you know what? It's not sexy. But what's um, a bipartisan bill that you're working on that you think really has a chance at clearing the House and then clearing the Senate? Yeah, um, I'm working with uh, Congresswoman Ashley Hinson. Uh, she is a Republican in northeastern Iowa. Iowa. Um, she is right across the Mississippi River from my district. Um, geographically, the farmers in our areas have bigger challenges because it's a hilly terrain. Um, and so we're working on legislation um, so that, you know, there's going to be sustainability for our farmers and our farm communities in these areas. Um, you know, so so that's that's number so one. So what does that mean? Sustainability. What what does the bill do? Well, it's because it's harder, for instance, to grow crops um, when for instance, most of Illinois and Iowa is flat land, okay? Yeah. Um, but if you have a farmer um, that is in the, uh, it's the unglaciated area where the glaciers didn't scour out the land and create flat land, um, it's, it's harder. Uh, there's more runoff. We're seeing high precipitation events as our, as our climate warms. We're getting bigger flash flood events, and it's causing bigger problems. Um, you know, infrastructure is not there. And so this is going to basically help those families, those farm families meet the need. Now, it, it is bipartisan um, because we are working across the aisle because it makes sense and it's the right thing to do. And it's my hope that that will be attached in the farm bill 
uh, because I'm in the agriculture committee right. and I'm going to fight for it so that it gets through so that we have progress. Um, if, if I were just to be able to, to just fold my arms and say, you know, we're in the minority, there's nothing we can do um, and, and just complain all the time. Um, yeah. That, so that, that, that is well, that's important to your district. Yeah. A, a small bite of the apple, though, overall, as far as legislation goes. And when I've done other interviews with Democrats, again, you're you're freshmen, so you're coming in new. Other Democrats have told me, look, most of the most of what I'm going to spend my time on over the next year is promoting and implementing what we passed in the previous two right. years when Democrats right. control all of Congress. I'm wondering, are you going to be part of that? Or is because you weren't there when that passed, how do you then get your arms around the agenda, which is most of what was successful, happened in the previous two years of this of the Biden administration? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that I mean, first of all, that's a great question. And I think most people don't understand that the 117th Congress got a lot of stuff done. OK, there was a lot of legislation that made it through. OK, and so now. Um, we've got to make sure here now in the 118th Congress um, that we appropriate these funds. Um, and so the answer to your question is absolutely yes. Uh, you know, my communities, they, they need the support, um, you know, and so it's making sure that, you know, as, you know, when, when I think about the power of the purse, um, it's not just doling out money, okay? It's making sure that every dollar that we uh, are giving is an investment. Right. And so so as a legislator, that's what I look at. Right. It's not just, you know, saying, all right, you you get a million dollars, you get a million dollars. No, it's like, what does it mean when I invest or when we invest in, you know, the water system in Bloomington? North? Um, what does it mean when we invest in, um, you know, in more jobs? And what does it mean when we invest in uh, uh, mental health care services? Um, you know, with respect to police departments and sheriff's departments. Um, that That's what I look at. How is President Biden viewed in Northwest Illinois? Um, you know, I think there, I mean, going back to your previous question, um, there's a lot that people don't realize about how effective Congress was. Um, you know, as, as somebody who came out of the media for 22 years, um, you know, I, I look back and I didn't know. I mean, think think about this. So up until a year or two ago, I was just the person that was the the number one consumer of news. I had the earpiece in my ear. I was in the news studio for, and you know, every um, newscast. I was paying attention. I didn't know, right? So how how is the community supposed to know what's going? But what on? is that a failure of, or whose failure is it? If you, a news consumer, didn't yeah. know about the Biden administration's legislative accomplishments? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's. I think it's collectively a societal thing. Um, you know, I, I've gotten to know um, some really good friends from, from Europe. Um, it's, it was amazing when, whenever my friends from Europe come here to Illinois, eh, they know a lot more about what's going on um, in the <laughs> world. They know a lot, a lot more than what's going on in our country in Washington, yeah. D.C. than probably most people here do. We're um, on Instagram but, and TikTok here. Right, right. And I'm like, I guess they are too, but. We, I, mean, I think that means that we need to do better at, um, you know, not only promoting the the good work that we've done, you know, uh, you know, tips for the heartland, infrastructure funding, you know, supporting projects that are actually going to help people uh, make ends meet, um, you know, but it's 
it's it's really making sure that people understand um, that the government does work for that. And sure. that that's one of the things that I heard from a long time, not just in the campaign trail, uh, but people here in Western Illinois, they feel like Washington, D.C. might as well be on another planet because the people that go there are not the people working for them. And yeah, well, at least it basically is on another planet. I mean, this is a little <laughs> bit of a di- this is a little different orb. I mean, anywhere I I lived in Missouri, I lived in North Dakota, I've lived yeah. in South. So I get it. This is a very, very different place. But to your point, I have a hunch that because so much was passed last year and so much into one bill, that's how we do legislation in Washington. We don't do tax credits for electronic vehicle and electric vehicles and just pass that we put in these gargantuan bills that then no it's very hard to break down you just know it as the inflation reduction act boring or the infrastructure bill boring but there's all this stuff in it and i'm wondering from Mm. your perspective as a climate guy as a weather guy there's a lot of climate yeah provisions in that in in the big big spending bill but climate every time you do a poll climate comes down on the bottom of the rung of issues it's never the top it probably will never be the top economic stuff is always the driver but how do you how would you make climate provisions that have been passed or energy provisions sexy so people give a damn yeah maybe and and maybe it's maybe it's different here um, you know, because like I, I, I was the one of the few meteorologists on television on local news that actually talked about climate on a regular basis um, 15 years ago. And I did every week. People knew me as the climate guy. Right. But it wasn't just that the Democrats or the, the progressives got me as the climate guy. Um, I was just explaining that, you know, seven of our top 10 floods on the Mississippi River have happened since the Great Flood of 1993. People here, they understand it. Um, you know, so, so that's not what I'm hearing. Uh, so people, people in your district believe climate change is real and that humans are, are contributors. Right. Right. Or, or even if they, you know, I, I'm, I've never been one of those people that has ever said, well, you have to believe this, right. Yeah. You know, my, my focus as a scientist and as a communicator is to say, Hey, listen, we don't have to agree on politics. We don't have to agree on what 1.5 degrees Celsius or two degrees Celsius means, or that the sea level's risen 3.2 centimeters. That that's just, that that's stupid to argue about that. Right. But what I can do today, and I've had conversations with members, moderate members of the Republican party in Congress, you know, like how do we make better decisions today based on science data and values and check our politics at the door, right? You know, if you if you want to support DeSantis or Trump, that's great, fine, go for it. But, you know, when we talk about um, this district of Western Illinois, it looks a lot like Nebraska, looks a lot like Iowa or Oklahoma or Alabama, right? You know, and, and those are the people that I want to have the conversation with, not because I feel like I'm right and they're wrong, but because now that there's a meteorologist in Congress, um, it's my job to help the other members of Congress make good decisions. Um, and you know what? If they make a better decision based on climate, they get the credit. So if President Biden was coming to your district in Western Illinois, how would you advise him to speak about climate? Um, well, first of all, people here understand it. They understand that it's an issue. Um, you know, 
I, I look at our farmers, okay? Um, farmers here are, are, are very prideful for good reason. Um, they have spent um, generations on the same land. Um, but guess what? Our family farmers today, um, they know what the weather was like because I've seen the big binders, the spiral notebooks. They take the, the weather every day, right? Why is it that a family farmer is having a harder time today to make it good, to, to, to make a yield when their parents and their grandparents with less technology, less innovation um, had it better? They know things have changed. Um, and so, you know, I point as agriculture. Um, you know, this is so important, not only to our district, but to the heartland. Um, and what we've got to do is make good decisions um, going forward, um, because it's it's not just agriculture. It's, you know, how we reinvest in the electric grid. Um, you know, how we, you know, when we talk about the Infrastructure Act or the uh, the Chips and Science Act, the, the IRA, um, it's, you know, there's climate provisions in there. Well, guess what? We're already talking with uh, companies about locating here because it was really smart of the last Congress uh, to be able to put the Made in America into these these climate bills so that the solutions are going to be made right here. Okay, two political questions before we wrap. How confident are you in President Biden's political position at this moment? Um, look, I, I think that the president, for instance, in his State of the Union address was masterful um, to basically take Medicare and Social Security off the table because it shouldn't have been on the table to begin with. Man, um, Democrats love this issue. Medicare was, and Social Security. Those, those those are, you know, those are so important to the people in my district and to every district. Right. Um, the president was masterful at that. The president going to Ukraine on President's Day. Are you kidding me? There was no Republican that had anything to say about that, um, you know. And so we, we have to talk about what's most important. Um, and, and I really believe that the administration, uh, by putting the most important issues front and center, uh, the issues like inflation, um, the issues like you know, the cost of goods, um, you know, it, as we put these front and center, um, it's it's going to be easy for people to make the right decision in 2024. All right. This is a really fun one, Congressman. Okay. Who would you rather run against in 2024, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? Um, I, I'd pick the former president. Uh, because you want to run against Trump. I think the former president, you know, he had a lot of tricks in uh, his satchel. Um, I think he's out of tricks, um, you know, and and I. I I, I just don't think that the he really resonated with the people here. He made a lot of promises uh, to the working people of the Midwest, and he never came through for them. Uh, but now it's it's what are we doing? Uh, what am I doing as a representative in this district um, to show the people here the results? Congressman Eric Sorensen, the freshman Democrat from Illinois. This was fun. Former meteorologist and, and a former news guy. <laughs> I didn't for... know this, David. Yes. Thanks for coming on too close to call, Congressman. This was fun. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks.